0: We're in, in uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 35, Genesis chapter 35, and we're going to start reading today from verse 20, fr- from the second half of verse 22, uh, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 35, verse 22, the second half of verse 22. But let me start by presenting um, just just sharing my... which maps out a few things that I think it's, it's worth noting here so people get a perspective of where we are on the time. So Abraham... Abraham had Ishmael by Hagar and then he had Isaac by Sarah 14 years later. So the age between Ishmael and Isaac was about 14 years difference. Isaac then gave... Uh, then had uh, uh, Jacob and Esau who were twins by his wife Rebekah so the wife of Isaac was Rebekah and uh um and so 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 you have Abraham Isaac and then Jacob the three patriarchs Jacob had four wives 12 sons which become the 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 tribes of Israel now Joseph the son number 11 by Rachel Joseph's name is not listed among the the 12 tribes because he got like a double blessing And so it's listed after the name of his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, So that's what you'll see there. Now Abraham lives to be 137 when his wife dies. So when Sarah died, Abraham was 137. Now if you were to go back to the teachings that we had earlier on in Genesis about the ages, when the ages of people were very long, we talked a lot about that. And then you can see this normal entropic decay curve. And right at the cusp of this curve, where it starts to turn around, is where these people are living. And so you see the age is going from many hundreds of years to something between 120 to 180 years, somewhere in there. That's where it's turning around. And then it's going to just flatten out and go to, to uh, uh, eventually uh, uh, 70 to 80 years, which is exactly where we are now. That's normal entropic decay. Uh, but we've discussed that previously with slides. Abraham is going to live to be 175. And when uh, uh, he dies at 175, when Isaac, his son, is 75, and Jacob and Esau, the twins, are 15. So Jacob, who we're talking about now, met and knew Abraham because he was 15 when Abraham died. So Jacob, the son of Isaac, knows his grandfather, Abraham. He's 15 when Abraham dies. Jacob leaves the land of Canaan to get a wife, when he's 77 years old, so I know there's this feeling that, oh, he must have been a young man when he meets Rachel. He was not a young man. He was 77 years old. He had never been married to that point. He goes to get his wife. So, so he and his twin brother are 77. When Jacob is 77, his father Isaac is 137. So it was when Isaac was 137 that he almost blessed Esau, sent him out to get, get food and, and thing to get him a meal but he ends up inadvertently blessing Jacob to whom the promise had been made. So he effectively is directing his will 43 years before his death. He's 137. He doesn't know when he's going to die. He's going to live another 43 years before his death because he's not going to die till 180. That's when Isaac is going to die, and that's what we're going to study today. What's interesting is Jacob returns to the land of Canaan when he's 97 because, remember, he went at 77. He returns at 97. He was 20 years in Paddan Aram uh, with, with, uh, with, with the, the, with where he got his two wives, Leah and Rachel, and their two maids, as uh, wives as well. So Isaac is now 157. He has 20 years from 137 to 157 when Jacob returns to the land of Canaan. Therefore, Jacob and Isaac spend 23 years living close to each other and likely interacting quite a lot over that 23-year period. Jacob's going to live in Shechem eight or nine years. He's going to live in Bethel one to two years, about two years. Then he's going to live 12 years in Hebron, very close to his father Isaac. I mean, just right there by his father Isaac for 12 years. Isaac, therefore, is going to witness Jacob's grief when Jacob loses his son Joseph. So when Joseph is 17 and Jacob learns that he's been he, he, he's been told that he's been torn by animals and he doesn't live. Isaac is going to see his son's grief. And it's very hard for a father to see a, a child's grief, for mother or father to see their child grieving. He's grieving over the loss of his, his precious son, Joseph, when Joseph was 17. So Joseph knows his grandfather, Isaac, for 17 years. For 17 years, he grows up around his father, his grandfather, Isaac. And so, so Joseph knows his grandfather, Isaac. Isaac dies at 180, which we'll study today, about the time that Joseph is being promoted to the second highest position in all of Egypt. Now he doesn't know that, but by the time Isaac dies, Joseph has already been in Egypt for about, about uh, 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 10 years. He went from being a, a slave to being a prisoner Now he's exalted into the second highest position in all of Egypt. Isaac doesn't know this. Jacob doesn't know this. But when he dies, Joseph is in Egypt already for about 10 years. Isaac dies about 10 years, and Isaac also dies about 10 years before Jacob will move to Egypt. So it's about 10 years after the death of Isaac that his son Jacob moves to Egypt at the invitation of Joseph. Uh, uh, and Jacob and Esau are 120 when their father Isaac dies. So, that kind of sets the background for you. I'm going to stop sharing that screen now. And so, let's start reading now. The second half of verse 22 says, Now there were 12... of, of This is Genesis 35, verse 22. Now the, there were 12 sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. Then Simeon and Levi... Judah and Issachar and Zebulun. So Leah, his, his first wife, Leah his first wife, a- ends up having six sons, who are going to be six of the sons of the, the, the tribes of Israel. And she also gives birth to Dinah, that daughter through whom all those problems started in Shechem. Verse twenty four the sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. So remember, Joseph uh, uh, was born uh, just before they left Padan Aram, and and, uh, uh, Benjamin was born uh, actually after they had already come into the land. Verse 25, And the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's, Rachel's maid, were Dan and Naphtali. Verse 26, And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So the Bible just approximates this they were born in Padan Aram, but actually 11 of those 12 that were just mentioned were born in Padan Aram. Benjamin was born was born after they had come into the land. So those are the 12 sons. Verse 27. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiriath Arbar, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned now the days of isaac were 180 years isaac breathed his last and died and gathered to his people an old man of ripe age and his sons esau and jacob buried him okay so the book of genesis is primarily primarily chronological but here is a case where it deviates from chronology because It's going to conclude with the death of Isaac. So it concludes with the death of Isaac before it starts with the story of Joseph. So, so, so that's why there's overlap now. So he's, he's concluding with this, but remember that, that there's, Isaac has all this overlap with, with Jacob. Uh, for 23 years he has overlap with Jacob and he dies 10 years after. Joseph has already gone into Egypt. And so, so the Bible is just ending this story with Isaac before it goes through the genealogy of Esau and then in the next chapter after, in chapter 37 we'll start in the story of Joseph because what it tries to do, it tries to conclude a story before it starts a new one. Conclude a story of a person before it starts a new one. Now what's interesting here is that Jacob now moves for the last 12 years of his life. He's going to move right into the same place, right into the same locale. He's going to be living right next to his father, his father uh, Isaac. And he's going to have his last 12 years with his father Isaac. It's in this time. So remember, Isaac sees before this, Isaac is going to see 17 years before his death, uh, 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 about 10 years before his death, he is going to see the very suffering The very suffering that his son, uh, Jacob is going to go through when he loses his youngest son, uh, when he loses his, 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 his his precious son, Joseph. So the pain that these people went through was enormous. So if you think that, wow, these guys were so greatly blessed, it was amazing for them. What a blessing they must have had. Yeah, they had blessings, but they had all the hardships of life that people endure, where Jacob is going to, is going to end up losing his blessed son, Joseph. Where Isaac has to see his son Jacob go through the hardship. You know, once my my uh, um, my one of my granddaughters, they they thought they had a problem with her eyes, and they were, were very worried about her. And the thing that concerned me most was certainly I was concerned about my granddaughter, but to see what was happening to my daughter when my granddaughter was when when she feared for the the the, the welfare of my granddaughter for a parent to see the suffering of their own child over the, the 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 that own child's children it's just it's just overwhelming and this is exactly what uh uh Isaac had to go through so Isaac breathes his last it says and he died and was gathered to his people an old man of ripe age and his sons uh, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So when it says he breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people, look at the the expression here: he was gathered to his people. You know, it's, it's something very similar concerning concerning uh, 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 Abraham. It says it, it says of Abraham in 25 verse 8 in Genesis 25:8. It says Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age an old man satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. This expression, gathered to his people, means that he has gone into paradise. This is speaking about the life after death that comes to these people. This life after death that comes to these people. They are very much alive. They die on this earth, but their spirit is very much alive. This is exactly what Jesus spoke about. So what I want to do is I want to focus in on this to give you hope. To give you the hope that we have in God. The hope that we have. It says that he was gathered to his people at a ripe old age. Now he went through tremendous suffering in his life. Remember his two sons were going to kill each other. They had to separate them. He had to send his one son away. His wife dies. Rebecca dies while his son is away. I mean, all of this is happening in his life. But in it, but he, he later on goes to be gathered to his people. Let's see what, what Jesus says. What Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 25, John chapter 11, verse 25 is the best verse to use at the funeral of a person who knows God. The best verse, John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, how can a person never die? Well, they die on this earth, but they go to be with the Lord forever. This is exactly how Jesus described it. Everything in the Bible is true. Every word in the Bible is true. Every single word in the Bible is true. And Jesus spoke about life, life, life that's going to come to the believer. When someone who knows the Lord perishes from this earth, they are immediately very much alive. So when we're grieving about the loss of somebody, if that person knew the Lord, they are very much alive. Jesus spoke of them as being asleep. Anytime a believer in the New Testament died, Jesus spoke of them as being asleep. Because he knew that this was just a temporal state where the body body was going to be 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 reformed and resurrected as well. But let's see some other things that that, that happened. Uh, if you look in Luke chapter 16, Luke Luke chapter 16 In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is speaking again and he says uh um he speaks about what things are going to look like in in uh, uh both he- in paradise and and uh uh In Gehenna or in hell, what things are going to look like. He speaks about this thing. So if you look in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, it says, Now there was a rich man, and this is Jesus speaking, Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the, by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus in his bosom. So look at the picture that Jesus paints. Jesus is giving us a picture of the afterlife. Jesus is giving a picture of what life is like after. And this is before Jesus had died and resurrected from the dead. What he was saying is this man who didn't have any regard to God, he goes into this place. It says that he, the rich man also was died and was buried in Hades which is this Gehenna, which is this hell, this separated area from God. It's supposed to be in the center of the earth. He is there, and he can look, and he says, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus in his bosom. So Abraham is in paradise with Lazarus now, this poor man who has died. It says, when the poor man died, the angels carried him away. When the rich man died, he died and he was buried. Now, when when it says of Lazarus, when the poor man died, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Look at the care. Look at the care that Jesus has for those whom he loves. And so it says that those who are in Hades are going to be able to see those who are in paradise and he even starts speaking across this chasm. It's a far distance away, but they're able to speak across it. And what Abraham's going to go on to say is that nobody can cross this chasm. When Jesus, when it said uh, Jesus on the cross that he took captivities, cap, c- c- he took uh, uh, captives to, uh, uh, from captivity. What he's talking about, he went to paradise, to the good side. He didn't go to Hades. He went to the good side. He made proclamation that could be heard all the way across to Hades, to the bad side. And he took Abraham, he took Lazarus, and all of these patriarchs. He took them to be with him in heaven. That's. The, the ones that he testified to. But Jesus is speaking and revealing to us what this looks like. And Jesus goes on, he speaks about this a little bit more. So if you look in Luke chapter 13, in Luke chapter 13, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus speaks more about this. He says, uh, he, he says in Luke chapter 13, reading from verse 26, then they will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and we taught in your streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, you evildoers. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. And they will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Look what he says. He says that you folks who didn't know me, and I didn't know you. He says, and this he's even speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the children of Israel. He says, I didn't know you. You're going to be separated. But he says, in that place, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth where you are when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's testifying that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are very much alive even though this is the New Testament, long after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob have died, He said, you're going to look across and you're going to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're going to be able to see them and then there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth because you're separated from them. And then there's going to be lots of people coming. from the. They will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and they will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. They're going to sit. This is speaking of the Gentiles those who don't aren't of the kingdom of Israel. He's saying, You who are of the kingdom of Israel are going to be cast out because you don't know me. Those who know me, they're going to come and they're going to eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you know the Lord, you're going to be eating with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the same table. That's what it says. Look at the promise that he has for us. This is why he says that, that uh Isaac was gathered to his people. Isaac wasn't perfect. No way. We showed all the problems that Isaac had. We're not, not going to belabor that again today. But he was gathered to his people. He was a man who was a believer and he was gathered to his people. And so you see that. Now, let, let's, let's, let's look at, at an, another verse here. It says uh, um, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. God appears to Moses. God appears to Moses. So this is hundreds of years later. God appears to Moses, and he says in Exodus chapter three, verse six, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." God describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how he describes himself. Uh, And so this is this is the way. That he's describing himself, he's describing himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, now, if you look in Luke again, Luke chapter 20, this is amazing. In Luke chapter 20, they are the, the Sadducees are questioning him about about uh, uh, there being a life after death, and Jesus very much underscores this. Remember, every word that Jesus speaks is absolutely true. Jesus is revealing to us what the afterlife is like. And these come as questions to Him. These come as questions to Him. And this happens. We have so much revealed to us because people asked Jesus a question and in His answer to them, He revealed to us truths that we never would have had. But only that we have it because they asked questions to Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 20, verse 37, Jesus says this. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. How does Jesus prove to the children of Israel? How does he prove to them that there is, that the dead are raised, that there is life after death? How does he prove it to them? He says, you go back and you look at what Moses wrote. Look at what Moses wrote. And again, he is confirming that Moses wrote in the book of Exodus, like he says in, in, in John, like he says in John chapter five, he says, he says, Moses wrote these things. Moses wrote these things. He says, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. And I know there's this higher criticism where people are trying to 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 suggest that Moses never wrote the Tanakh, the first five books of the Old Testament. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus very much said that Moses wrote these things. Moses did that. Moses is the one who wrote these things. And he says, Moses is the one who did this, where he calls. Who is he? That's Moses, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Actually, it was God who was saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When when Jesus says he calls, he's saying, Moses wrote this. And Moses said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're very much alive. When he was gathered to his people, he was very much alive. Be assured of this. Jesus said this so you can be sure of it. When you die, your body may be dead, but you're very much alive with the Lord. And one day your body will raise up and be with the Lord as well. You will very much Be with the Lord. This is what he says. This is a beautiful hope that we have. So whenever you lose a loved one, just remember, if they are in Christ, you will forever, forever they will be in the Lord. Okay, so let's turn back to, uh, let's turn back to the book of Genesis. Let's turn back to the book of Genesis. When he says, Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So it says, it says his sons, Esau and Jacob buried him. So they, he is 180 when he died. Isaac's 180 when he died. So remember, Jacob and Esau were twins. They were born when, when, uh, when Isaac was 60, which means that Esau and Jacob must be 120 at this point. So they're 120 years old at this point. And so they're burying their father. But you see, Esau is together with Jacob burying his father. Esau's together with Jacob, bearing his father. So these two had become friends again. Remember when they came, when, when Jacob came into the land, when Jacob came into the land, uh, uh, he was very afraid of, of what was going to happen when he met Esau. But they're friends again. You know, it's interesting. Esau was, w- had been a real tyrant. And, uh, it doesn't say many good things about him in the New Testament at all. But it's interesting as, as, uh, Matthew Henry says, When when, when someone's bad, God can either tie their hands or He can change their hearts. And in this case, He changed Esau's heart. Esau is friendly enough with Jacob that they get together and they bury their father. Children really ought to be there to bury their parents. If at all possible, children ought to be there to bury their parents. And this is what the Scriptures say. And so then in chapter 36, it talks about the generations of Esau. So we had just talked about the children of, of uh, um, the children of Jacob, just, just above this we talked about the twelve sons of Jacob where it mapped this thing out. Now it's gonna talk about the offspring of Esau. Why would he talk about Esau? We need to have the documentation of what's going on with, with Isaac, w- with Jacob. We need to have the documentation of what happens with the patriarchs because Jesus, the life of Jesus has to be mapped back. All the way back through to Abraham. And then Abraham all the way to to, uh, Adam. But Jesus has to be mapped back to Abraham. There has to be authenticity of Jesus being of the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, Jacob is the one that defines the children of Israel. Not Abraham, because Abraham had Ishmael, another son. And there was a whole line that, led, that, that, is, that, that is the father of the Arab nations through that. But here, here you, you, have, you have to map out through Jacob. Jacob only had the 12 sons by these four women. There were no other sons. And it is mapped out through these 12 that the offspring of Israel, the, the, the tribes of Israel will come. Jesus had to map back through Jacob. And so this is what we, we have here. Well, why is he mapping back? Why is he telling us so much now about Esau? Why should we care about Esau? Esau is not of this blessed line. And it's really interesting. God cares individually. You, if you look at this, and I know some people don't like to read, about, uh, read the uh, uh, genealogies. I love to read the genealogies. If you don't like to read the genealogy, your taste is corrupt. God has the genealogies there for a reason. He would not have put it there if it was not absolutely critical for our reading and our study. And he maps out these, these children of Esau. He maps out the, their his children and their wives. He says, now, these are the, record, the records of the generation of Esau. That is Edom. Esau took wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, oh, Ohilalama, Ohilibama, the daughter of Anna and the granddaughter of Zabian, the Hivite. And so we had read about these women before. They used slightly different names, but names, names can vary in the Bible even for the same person, but you can track it by who were their wives and who were their fathers. And you say, well, why would they use different names? Well, why do we use different names today? Uh, my name is James. When I was, when I was a boy, they called me Jimmy. When when I got older, people now call me Jim. But my name is James. So if they're gonna write about me in a few thousand years, they're gonna people say, Well what, why why did they do that? Why did the guy have three names? Well, I don't know, this kinda of like what we do even today. Sometimes they're called different things. And so it, it maps out these women and it maps out name by name and even mentions the wives here. Also Basimoth, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nabi Nabioth. And Adah bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimoth bore Ruah. And so you see going on and on, naming names. And then you get into verse 7. In the verse 7 it says, For their property had become too great for them to live together. And the land where they were sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So let me read verse 6. Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters, and all his household and all his livestock and his cattle, And all his goods which which he had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to another land away from his brother Jacob. For their property had become too great for them to live together. And the land where they had sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So it wasn't like Esau just left right after the funeral. Remember when Jacob had come back into the land, 23 years earlier when he had come back into the land, Already Esau was living in that region down by the Dead Sea, way down on the west side of the Jordan, on the west side of the Dead Sea. He was living in that barren area where you have to have a lot of area to feed your cattle, and we know that area is barren today, and we know it was barren at that time as well. We know it was barren at that time, and and uh, uh, the re- so so let me let me point out a couple of things here. So you, so you see that that. Uh, um, it says that, that he moved away from his brother. If you look in, in chapter 27, verse 39 of Genesis. Chapter 27, verse 39. So another verse that we had already read. Chapter 27, verse 39. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. This was the prophecy that Isaac had given to Esau. He says, you're going to be away from the fertility of the earth. Away from the dew of heaven, from above. What Isaac had said of him is exactly what came of Esau. He was away from the fertile land. He was away from the land of Canaan. He was down by the Dead Sea on the, what is the present day Jordanian side of the Dead Sea. He was even there before Jacob returned into the land. Remember Jacob meets him and says, I'll, I'll come down to Seir, which is that region there, and I'll meet you there. He's already living there. Well, why would he have moved there so early? Because of his father's prophecy. Because his father, had said, that's where you're going to move. And he recognized that his brother got the blessing. His brother got the blessing. His brother got the land. And even long before the death of Isaac, even though it's written right after the death of Isaac, remember, he just they're just finishing up the story about Isaac. And he's already moved according to the, the prophecy. And he moves into this land. And so so we know that it's barren. And so if you turn back to Genesis chapter 13, I mean, we've covered all of this, but, but I want to bring it back to your remembrance. It's, it's just amazingly striking. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter uh, 13. And we're going to look at verse uh, of Genesis chapter 13, verse um, 10. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. Okay, so before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, that valley of the Jordan, on the west side of the Jordan, which is now the, the country of Jordan, down by the Dead Sea, you go there now, it is totally barren. That is where Sodom and Gomorrah were and the other three cities that were destroyed with them. At that time, when Sodom and Gomorrah there, it was plush like the Garden of the Lord, like the Garden of Eden, like Zoar, that top of Egypt where you have the five rivers. That's what it was like. But now, after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is a wasteland, a desert. That is exactly where Esau lived. That's where he lived. And it's that region that is present-day Jordan and Saudi Arabia. That is where, where Esau lived. And so you can see this. He separated from his brother even long before this because he knew his brother had that land. He was going to be coming back. His brother had that land. He was going to be coming back. And his, his cattle was great. He better move out of that land. And he had done it exactly as was prophesied by his father. He did it. Every word in this Bible is true. Every word, you can absolutely bank on it. It is so precious. I love the word of God. Everything about this man, being Isaac being gathered to his people, so Jacob will be gathered to his people. Jesus even said, you don't believe it, I'll tell it to you. He was gathered to his people, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, all three of them are together in the kingdom of God all three of them, and not only are they together, you're going to be meeting them and you're going to be sitting at the same table with them. Jesus said it, you can't stop it. It cannot not happen. It has to happen. Jesus said it, it absolutely has to happen. Jesus said, Moses said this, Moses wrote of this, He is now underscoring that Moses is the one who wrote the first five books. Higher criticism says, oh, Moses didn't write this. They're wrong. Moses wrote this. Moses wrote it. The the higher criticism is wrong. When Jesus underscored it, what are you going to throw Jesus out too and his words? Jesus said, Moses wrote this. It has to be true. Sooner or later, the, the historians will catch up with this and they'll say, yeah, Moses wrote this. For right now, they're denying it. But it is absolutely true. Where are you going to go when you die? If you know Jesus, you're going to go to be with Him. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth where well, you will remember this very message on this very day and you're going to see me and a whole bunch of other people who are on this video there with Jesus in paradise with Him in the heavenlies with Jesus sitting at the table, and you're going to be weeping, gnashing your teeth and saying, why didn't I get saved on that day? So today is your day to get saved. Today, I am going to pray, and I want you to repeat with me to invite Jesus into your heart. And if you need a personal time with me, you got it. I give it to you. You just send me an email to tour at rice.edu, and I will arrange a time to meet with you by Zoom and I will give you an individualized message about how to come to Jesus. You will get that. You will get that even today if you want it. I'll do it. I'll meet with you today. And and uh, I will meet with you anytime to tell you about Jesus because I don't want you to be in that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and you say, well, God would never send anybody to hell. Then you you got to call Jesus a liar. They send themselves to hell because they didn't choose him. It says to all those who believe on him, he gave them to have eternal life. And to those who do not believe shall be condemned. This is what the Bible says in John three thirty-six. This is what it says. So if you do not believe on him, you will be condemned forever. So don't go to that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why would you choose that? Why would you want to choose that? Choose the better place. Choose the better place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for Your Word because everything that You have said will come true. Everything that You have said will come true. Thank You, Lord, so much for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that You underscored with Isaac that he was gathered to his people. And then Jesus confirmed it, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're all together. And that all those who believe will be together with them. And so, Lord, I pray this day for those who are on this call On this Zoom call, who are not believers, that they will pray with me this very moment and repeat with me saying this, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and I commit my life to Him and I believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus for dying for me. And Lord, now I pray for these young people that You just give them a burning fire in their heart, passion for the Word of God, that they would believe You and believe Your Word and take hold of it. Lord, work in their lives, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.